worship today. I see that a lot of our people slept in and came to second service. That's great. Um, uh, today we're going to have a great time in God's house, and um, I hope that you came expecting. And I think that a lot of times, you know, we're trying to make it to church, and I hope today that because you made it, that you're going to hear a word that could be life-changing. As we're going to be talking about when we get down to that last little bit in life, when someone's on our last nerve, <laughs> when we're down to the last bit of mercy and patience, how do we handle our last? And today I'm going to title the message, The Little Things. And I think we all agree it's the little things that oftentimes make a difference. Would you guys agree that when you're dating, you remember when you used to do all the little things and then you got married? Does, does anybody... Like, and I'm not saying that, it's, you know, I'm not going to just bag on people, okay? It's okay. Like, you're, you don't, it's not the same after you get married, right? I mean, you won the, won the prize. Anyway, but anyway, so like, in, in, when you're dating, though, you do all the little things, right? You, you show up early, you send a little note, you do, I mean, you do all the things, right? And then sometimes uh, later on, we, we start taking the little things for granted, but when you are at work. I guarantee you, every boss, manager, owner of a small business in here, um, you appreciate those people that are willing to do the little things when no one's looking, when they're not going to ever get any credit, and you're just doing the little things because you value those things. And all the owners of the businesses said, amen, right? And today, I feel like we're losing. We're losing the love for the little things because I can't tell you how many times that I go through a drive through and I look in my bag, no napkins. Is anybody else... Am I the only one that's suffering? Like, how can I have this meal without the napkins? When I was 16, I worked at Burger Street, and we had to put two napkins in for every clamshell that was in the bag, right? What happened to napkins? Is there a war on napkins? Is that, is that what we're saying? It's the little things, man. I want, I, want, I want a salt and pepper packet in my bag. That's what I want, okay? It's the little things. It's just the little things that get to you. And I learned a very valuable lesson. When I was uh, 22 years old, I had graduated uh, college and was going to seminary, and I was engaged to my wife-to-be, my, my beautiful bride, Carrie, and we had some furniture, and everybody remembers like the hand-me-down furniture, and I had to go pick it up in Tulsa. Now, I had made it to 22 without having towed anything in my life, okay? And um, by show of hands, all the men in here that have never towed something in your car, by show of hands, all the young guys, I'm sure, some of you are lying, you don't understand. I said, if you've never towed anything, raise your hand, and like half of you are like looking at me, I know you never towed anything, bro. You didn't tow anything. I'm going to give you some life lessons here from my pain, all right? So there's a ball that the hitch goes on, and it has a number on it, okay? And that number is very important, okay? Very important. And so the hitch has a number on it too. And they're measured in inches. And I had a one and seven eighths inch ball. Why? I have no idea. I inherited this truck from my grandfather. It was an Isuzu. Does anybody remember the little Isuzu pups? 
all right? They were not made for hauling either, okay? So I was messing up all the way around, but it was the truck that I had, and so I had to go back to Tulsa with this trailer that I borrowed from another seminary guy who had literally taken cubicle walls and created an enclosed trailer with cubicle walls. So we're preachers, we make do. And so I hooked it up to my hitch, and I had my friend, we call him Big Jeff. And the reason why is because he was a huge man, okay? About 6'4", 350, okay? And so me and Big Jeff uh, were getting in, and he was going to help me move my furniture down for my bride. And so turns out the hitch was a two-inch hitch, okay? And I looked at it. I knew, I knew, okay? It wasn't like I was surprised. It was like I didn't know. It was like he didn't tell me. I looked at it, and I said to myself, an eighth of an inch. What possible difference could an eighth, you know what an eighth of an inch, that's like a, that's like a pencil eraser width, okay? What difference could that make, all right? And we're going to find out it made a difference. It did. It did. We got in the truck, me and Big Jeff, and we were uh, going down the road, and we got to Longview, and we were out Henderson, we were going up to Tulsa, so like five hours, okay? And we were going through Longview, and we hit a stretch that had a little, had a little, uh, a little uh, valley, if you want to, like, it, the truck went down like that. And I'm going down the highway, and I got this thing wound out. Fifth gear, it was a stick, which most people here, guys, don't know how to drive a stick anyway, nowadays, either. And so I asked a question. I asked a question the other day. If you have teenagers, uh, ask them this question on the way home. Say, what does it mean to pop the clutch, all right? <laughs> no idea. No idea. Anyway. And so fifth gear, I got it wound out, right? And I'm going 55, 60 miles an hour. And I go through this little depression and it's like it bounced just enough, apparently. And the hitch came off, came off, all right? Now, if you don't know this, I'm passing on some life-saving advice, okay? You're supposed to gradually slow down because your chains are there and it will create tension and it'll slowly pull you to a stop, all right? I did not know that information and I panicked. And I'm gonna tell you what it looked like. It looked like a scene out of Tommy Boy. I hit the brakes, the trailer smashed the back of my truck. It started squirreling all over the place. I look over at Big Jeff, he's like. <laughs> scared the bejesus out of me. And so I learned a very, <laughs> Very valuable lesson. A little thing can make a huge difference. And so today, as we get into the text, I want you to start thinking about all the little things. And if you're missing by a little bit here this morning, I can tell you that those little things can cost you. Because it doesn't take much in today's culture for us to get so busy in what we're doing that we neglect the little things, like praying like reading our Bible, like going to church. We're so busy, we don't have time for life groups or community. We don't have time to serve. And so if we're not careful, we begin neglecting our relationship with God. And that leads to, in the end, neglecting our relationship with those that we love the most. And then the next thing you know, we move into a place of desolation, a place of drought. And in today's text, Elijah is going to have an interaction with a woman that's known as the widow of Zarephath. And it's in the middle of a drought. 
And that drought is a result of God's people were living in disobedience. So God brought a drought to lead them to repentance. And so as we read this text, I just want you to remember that a drought is going on and it's going to last for three years. And so let's read it together. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, said, leave here, turn eastward, And hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook that I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord told him. I could just preach that right there. And if we could all just do what the Lord tells us, right? And I'm preaching to myself here, right? Every time I do something dumb or I say something dumb or I do something I regret, I literally have a voice inside my head saying, if you would just do what God told you to do, you wouldn't be in this place. And the church said, amen. All right. So it says that he did what the Lord told him. Verse seven, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him a second time. Go at once to Zarephath, to the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. So the first thing I want to say to you today is we have to let the word move us, right? Let the word move you. It says that the word of the Lord came to him and said, go to this place, hide in the ravine. And so he went there. And then the word came to him a second time and said, now you need to go to Zarephath. And so he went there. And I started considering that in this passage, we're going to see that there's a, there's a very easy methodology of following after God. And that is that we have to let the word move us. And sometimes we choose to move without a word. And I'm going to tell you, if you've ever engaged in something without having a word that guided you, without having a word that affirmed you, then you can get yourself into some some pretty bad spots. For instance, if you ever seen someone dating someone that is clearly outside of the word, is anybody, anybody, have you ever dated somebody that was outside of the word? Yes. And if you ever married someone that was outside of the word, woo, yeah, that was exciting. And so sometimes people will think of their job as something different than their spiritual life. And so they, they go to a job and they say, well, it, it doesn't matter how much this costs me. It doesn't matter if this job is costing me my health. It doesn't matter if this job is costing me my marriage. It doesn't matter if this job is costing me my children. They're willing to keep on doing things that are outside of the word because you can't be in balance with the word and be living in a way that's in disagreement. And so I want to encourage you today, have you ever gotten to a place that you got to on your own. You said, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to make all these choices independent of considering God's word. And then you got out there and you said, how did I get here? How how did we get here? Sometimes in marriage, you'll go through a season, you'll say, how did we get here? Like things were good. And then over time, it's incremental, but now things are not good. And as a result, we we didn't do the little things. We quit We quit prioritizing each other. We quit connecting with each other the way that we should. And now there's this distance that begins to grow. And that distance creates a divide. And next thing you know, you're down the road and you say to yourself, how did we get here? 
Sometimes your children begin drifting away from you and, and you can't quantify it, but you know that it's happening. There's something there. There's a distance that's growing. And then they get to a rebellious phase and you ask yourself, how did you get there? Is it possible that you neglected the little things? You need to have a word that is moving you and then you stay until another word comes. And so we see that the word gave him directions. So we say the Lord we learned to let the word direct us. It said, go eastward, hide in a ravine, and there's a brook there. Remember, middle of the drought, we need water. And so he says, I have a brook that is there, a little creek that's going to supply you with water. And then he says, I'm going to make a raven. I'm going to make a raven. Now think about this, folks. I just want you to, like, in your mind, okay, God comes to you, and this is the plan. All right, you're going to go hide in a ravine. He said, go east, hide in the ravine. And then he was going to get on the raven 30-day plan. All right, I don't know. It's keto. It's keto-centric, okay? So, so imagine this. Like, you're like, okay, God. Now, this is Elijah. So like you say, he's a man of God. I don't care how much of a man of God you are. He's sitting in a ravine. Now, I imagine that this water was, you know, Bobby Labouchet. That's some refreshing H2O. And so he's... he's <laughs> He's, he's drinking from this brook, you know, and then he's like just waiting because no one had ever been on the raven 30-day plan before. And then I, caw, 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 a raven flies through this. Um, just, just imagine this, okay? And in my mind, he drops off a filet, right? It's like a filet hits medium, okay? I like it medium, you know, pink in the middle. Okay, so, so a, a filet gets dropped off and you're sitting there like, this is amazing, right? This is amazing. Now, if he didn't follow God's direction, how could the thing that God was trying to provide get to him if he wasn't in the right place? If he had not have gone east, let's say he chose west instead of east. Let's say that he didn't sit down in the brook. He wasn't satisfied with the brook. Maybe the brook wasn't good enough. Maybe the brook needed another bedroom. Maybe it needed another bathroom. Maybe it needed a bigger yard. Maybe we need to add a pool here to this brook. Whatever it was, maybe some reason he was discontent. How could the raven have dropped off the provision if he wasn't in the right place? It made me concerned because I thought if the word is supposed to move us and the word is supposed to direct us, what if... What if there were some people, what if my people, what if there was someone sitting in the church this morning that, that you are in need? You need God to provide something for you that you are missing. There, you're in the middle of a drought. And because you're not listening, because you're choosing your own way instead of God's way, what if the drop point is over here and you're over there and you're crying out to God and you're saying, God, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? He goes, I told you where it was. I told you to go east. You went west. I told you to stop and hide in this ravine. And I told you that the raven was going to drop it off. What I'm trying to get you to see is that there's a very specific pattern. And I think a lot of us, are stubborn. And I think we want to do it our way. And I want, to, I want to say this to you. God does not have a getting it to you problem. We have a following directions problem. Because the Bible, the Bible is very clear on exactly how he provides for us. And yet we don't follow the instructions. And so this morning I would ask you to, to do a check do a check on yourself. Are you following his instructions? Have you obeyed the word? How did you get to where you're at today? 
Was it because you followed the word? When it comes to how you're managing your marriage, managing your life, managing your money, are you following his word? How can he get the provision to you if you're not even in the right place? So it says that we need to let the word direct us, and the directions are very specific. And then I would say let the word connect you, because he says, well, after you go through this, the drought came and it dried up the brook, and now he said, I want to move you to another place. As a matter of fact, he says, I'm going to connect you to a person. And sometimes I think we got to talk about this for a second. I think we can fall in love with the place. Because if you sit down in the, in the valley and this brook is providing this refreshing H2O and a raven, now I don't know if it was three times a day. I don't know if it was breakfast, lunch. I don't know. All I know is that God is amazing that a raven flew out of the sky and dropped meat off to Elijah. That's amazing. Would you guys agree? Now, some of you fall in love with the place that he took you and you want to sit down and make that your home when that was a temporary spot that he was using to move you to a different spot. So he directed you to the place so that he could connect you to a person. And so sometimes we fall in love with the place. We want the Raven 30 plan. We want the filet dropped off for the rest of our lives. And God is saying, no, 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 this was a temporary thing. I was going to provide for you during this season, but I ultimately want to connect you to a person who is in need of the gospel and in need of the provision. And so that made me want to introspect. I want to introspect with you for just a moment. I want you to begin thinking about it. Oh, okay. Ooh. All right. Are y'all ready? I don't know if y'all are awake today. Okay. So like I, I'm, I'm preaching it up here and I don't know if like y'all are grabbing a hold of it out there. Okay. This is a, this is an interactive type of thing that's going on. And so some of you, it looks like you're still dormant. Like you went into the cave and you are trying to hibernate in the middle of the message. Okay. So I'm going to come for you, um, but anyway, I want you to think about this for a moment. Are, are you more interested in the place that he led you to than you are the people that he's trying to connect you to? Some of you are in a place that you never, ever dreamed, that God has provided you with blessings beyond your wildest expectations. The raven has literally dropped it off for you and God found you and opened doors for your life that you could have never dreamed possible. You came from this place and God has brought you all the way to this place. And then he dries up the brook and some people I think are sitting there complaining to God like you told me to come here and I came here and now the brook's dried up and now the raven isn't dropping. And he's like, yeah, that's because I'm getting ready to move you. I was never trying to get you to this place forever. I was trying to get you to stop here for a moment, let me provide for you, and then I'm going to take you to a person that's in need. You see, if we're not listening to his word, consider on the other end of our obedience is a person that's waiting, a person that's hurting, a person that's in darkness, a person that feels all alone. And if we sit down in the place that God took us and never connect to the people that God intended us to reach, then that would be taking the blessings of God and using them for ourselves. That would be making it all about us instead of about God. And I want to encourage you to start thinking about, just, just for a moment here, how are you impacting people for the gospel of Christ by how you're living today? Think about that for a moment. Are there things that you need to adjust so that you can impact other people? And so it says that 
Elijah went to Zarephath. It says, so he arose and he went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now, I want to pause here. um, We're going to find out it's a kind of a desperate situation. And we'll call it uh, gathering sticks this morning. And if you've ever seen someone gathering sticks, it would look like... um, it would look like sadness in the movie Inside Out. Is that the movie I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, have you ever seen, have you ever seen people mope? Has anybody ever seen teenagers mope? Has anybody ever seen this? Like, oh. It's like they're a, like a druid monk. Anyway, it was like, oh. anyway. So, so whenever you think about it, we go through these seasons where we're gathering sticks. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's in our, finances, sometimes it's in our happiness, sometimes it's in whatever it is, but we're gathering stick. We're in a gathering stick season. Like, like this, is, this is our last little bit. This is our last hurrah. We're, we feel like the walls are closing in, and so I'm gathering sticks. It says that Elijah asked her for a drink of water, right? He's like, can I have a drink of water? Now remember, what are the season, what's the season that we're in? What, what was going on? Drought. What was the thing that the brook provided? Water. Now, the water's dried up, and he takes, it, takes Elijah to the next place, and the first thing that he asked for is the thing that was missing. Now, if we want to pull back on a, on a kind of a macro theological point for just a second, this woman is a Gentile. That means she's not of the Jewish people, okay? She's experiencing the drought that was caused by God's people. Have you ever thought, today many people say our country is going astray and we want to blame the world? Have you ever thought that maybe it's not the world, maybe it's the church? Have you ever thought about that? Is it, is it the church not living close enough to God, not pursuing enough God? Is it too casual in our Christianity? Is it possible that we've brought the drought and unfortunately, the world is having to experience the drought that we're, I'm just saying, just throwing it out there, clearly not received. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying, is your Christianity making a difference? It said he asked for a drink of water. Now, I'm going to do some marriage counseling in here. I'm going to save you all hundreds of dollars, okay? Before, we, before I read the next verse, I just want you all to know that that husbands, sometimes we don't have the right radar, okay? Anybody? Like, if you ever come in and, and it seems like there's a torrent, okay? There's like a, your wife is moving in a fast pace, right? And, and, and it seems like she's on edge, right? On edge. Sometimes you've got to have discernment that now is not the time to ask. Now, my teenagers all had no discernment whatsoever. And several times I saw them uh, go into the belly of the beast. And I, I just went to my room and I prayed for their souls is what, <laughs> what I'm trying to say because, like, I wasn't going to get killed. And so anyway, here we're going to see an interaction. And I'm just saying that there's a, there's a moment to where if you ask, if you ask for one more thing, you're going to, it's, it's going to lead to something, okay? You're going to, trouble is coming. 
And you got to know when, like, to ask, okay? And so if you ask whenever things are at a high frustration point, you're going to find out that just beneath the surface, there is a tremendous amount of swirl of emotions, fire, venom, and it can all come out at you at one time, okay? And so Elijah is getting ready to experience this, and he says that he said, can I, can I have a glass of water? And it says in verse 11, as she, was, as she was going to bring it, all right, he called to her and he said, uh, could I have a morsel of bread as well? We'll just call it a sandwich. You know, could, you, could you make me a sandwich while you're in there? Okay. Now look at the next verse. I'm going to read it in the way that I believe she said it. As the Lord your God lives. I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a little jar, in a little jug of oil, and now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go out here and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Has anybody ever had this moment? By, can, I, can I get an amen if anybody's ever, you ever seen this? You ever didn't realize that like there's something below the surface? Man, I have looked into the full fury before. I've made this mistake. Babe, could you get... Uh, you want something? Could you get it yourself? I'm like... <laughs> on a normal day, it'd be like, okay, honey, yeah, no problem. But on this day, on this day, no. You see, and you've got to know this, men. They don't teach you this, okay? There's no college class on this, all right? You've got you to know when to ask and when to not ask. When to just shut up, okay? And I don't know where that line is, clearly. Because all the time I say, and then it's like, oh, not a funny day today, huh? So take that one back. Recycle it. Use it on Sunday. They'll laugh. Sometimes at home I'm not so funny. But anyway, Elijah pushes the envelope and sometimes when we push, we find out, right, that just below the surface, just below that Frisco facade that you walked in here with, how's it going today? Oh, great, great. Kids are great. Kids, wife's great. Couldn't be great. Couldn't be better. Couldn't, couldn't be a better. Truth is, just below the surface, things are not good. Just below the surface, if I pushed you just a little bit, you would break, and out would come the truth that you're desperately struggling. You're in a season of drought. You walked in here this morning, and you're gathering sticks. Elijah says to her, can I have a piece of bread? And he gets this incredible response of desperation. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first... Make me a little cake. <laughs> bold, bold move. And bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Elijah says to her, but first, give me your last. But first, 
Give me your last. And I don't know if anyone else lives with someone that you ask them when you're going to get something to eat if they would like anything, and they say no. And you believe them. Husbands, let me tell you something. If you go get something, get something, bring it, I don't care what they say, you get and then to see how many times, how many times they will eat it, even though they say they don't want it. Because if you don't, when you come back, like, can I, uh, can I get some of those fries? <laughs> now you ordered enough fries for you, but now they want some fries. It's like at the office, sometimes I'll say, does anybody want anything? And I go get my, you know, 10 nugget Chick-fil-A meal. And then I come back and someone's like, drop it by, you know, and all of a sudden they see me eating. They said they didn't want anything. I said, do you want? And they said, no, I do not want anything. And then they see the little nuggies and they start calling out. They're like, can I, you know, can I get one of those? Like, I, it, you know what I'm saying? I got, the truth is I don't want to share, right? <laughs> I don't. I do not want to share. And if, if they wait to that last one, that last one is special, right? Does everybody agree? That's, a, that's, that's the last. You're like, oh, yeah. Dip that one in there. Oh, yeah. Enjoy it like two-biter. Maybe get three bites even out of it. Someone walks in and they want your last nugget. No, I will not. I will not give you the last nugget. And so I want you to begin thinking about this that we are all selfish, flawed individuals. And when we get down to our last, we are certainly not giving it. We won't even give our first, but we sure aren't going to give our last. And yet Elijah is asking her to do something that seems counterintuitive to every human because we are more about gathering than we are about giving. And it says that she didn't have enough until she shared. She was going to make it one more meal and then it was over. But she shared, and as a result of sharing, she then had more than enough. Not only did she have to share, she had to care. She had to care about someone else outside of her home more than she cared about herself. Now you tell me, in Frisco, Texas, tell me, tell me I'm wrong. Is it about you? Is it about your family? Is it about having the best, being the best, and all so that we can build up our castle for our own kingdom? That is the challenge. That is the challenge to our culture. And I am glad that God blessed us. I am not trying to say that it is wrong for you to be affluent. It is wrong for you to live in the house. I don't, I'm not preaching that gospel. I'm saying it can't be about that more than about sharing and caring for other people. You see, there's an order of priority and you have to come second if you want to serve the Lord. Your family has to come second. Here this woman is in a dire situation and the only key that's going to unlock tomorrow is giving away the last. Man, if you were in that situation... Wouldn't you find that difficult to do? That made me think about the gospel. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, and it says that he breathed his, anybody remember? He gave his last 
for us. He gave his last so that we could live. He gave his last so that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt you can't deny the love of Christ for your family. So whenever it comes to you interacting with God and you wrestling, sometimes you're going to have to give the last. Sometimes you're going to give the last little that you have. And that last little that you put on the altar is what the sacrifice is going to be required in order for you to make it longer than you would have otherwise. To make it to the rain, he said, give me your last. Look at this last verse. It says, and she went and did as Elijah said. There's a connecting theme throughout all three of these words in this passage, Right? Elijah obeyed the word and went to the ravine. Elijah obeyed the word and went to Zarephath. And now what? This this widow is obeying the word. She doesn't know Elijah. She doesn't even know Elijah's God. But she knew something that day that I needed to obey the word that's coming from Elijah. She and her household ate for many days The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to what? The word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. The distance between not enough and never empty is one choice to obey. The distance between not enough and never empty is one choice to obey. Have you ever felt like you didn't have enough. Have you ever felt like you are not enough? Have you ever felt like I am desperate and I don't know what to do? I promise you that the same answer that was true for this woman in the Bible thousands of years ago is a timeless truth that is evident today. That if we keep on putting ourselves first, eventually We will run out. Eventually, one Sunday, you'll walk in here gathering sticks. And this will be the last meal for your marriage. It'll be the last meal as your child launches off into a prodigal season that could have been avoided by one decision to obey. Divorce could have been avoided by one decision to obey. Financial wreckage could have been avoided out of one choice to obey. And you say to yourself, man, it doesn't make any sense. Why would I forgive when it doesn't feel like they're forgiving me? Why would I be loving when they're not being loving to me? Why would I share when they're not sharing with me? I promise you, if Jesus acted like the way that you do in a scoreboard type of relationship, he would have never left heaven to earth to bridge the gap between heaven and hell for us. But he did. He did so because he loved you when you were unlovable. He loved me when I was unlovable. He cared enough to let the word, listen to what he said. He said, I do not do anything except the Father guides me and shows me what to do. The word told him to leave heaven and come to earth. And then as a result of the word directing him, he went to the cross. And then as a result of the resurrection, he has the opportunity to connect with you and connect you to mercy, forgiveness, redemption, and grace that surpasses all understanding. You see what I'm saying? He did exactly what I'm asking you to do. Let the word direct your lives. And then the fruit of it is you're going to connect someone to Christ. This morning, it might not be that you're in a drought. 
You might be Elijah this morning. You followed the favor of God and the favor of God's led you to this room. But if you look around your life and you don't see anyone following you to the Lord, then something is desperately wrong. We've created a community here that can impact thousands. All you have to do is plug into the process. And I promise you, your life will lead to life change for someone else. For those of you that are in the drought, I say to you, whatever you have left, give it to the Lord. Whatever love you have left, whatever patience you have left, whatever it is that is your little that's in your hands, give it to the Lord and watch him turn your little into something lasting. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, God, that you might move inside of this room today. For those that are gathering sticks, God, I pray, God, that they might hear that they walked into a message and it's counterintuitive. They're trying to think, of how do I figure out how to, how to get more sticks? <laughs> how do I figure out how to get one more day of food, one more week of salary? And God, the real answer is, how do I get right with God? How do I give him my life? How do I give him back everything that is in my being, my love? How do I give him my honor, my worship? How do I guide my family in this process of following and directing through his word? As we worship here in just a moment, maybe today is your day. Maybe today is your day to say, God, I surrender. I've been about gathering. And God, I want to switch to being about giving. I've been about me and mine. I want to learn to share. And I want to learn to care. The gospel of Christ is centered around this. That you love people that you don't even know more than you love your own life. And this whole exercise is done so that the next person that walks through the doors gets to experience the rain, gets to experience the freedom. And I want you to know that your soul was worth it to me, and all I'm asking you to do is make the next soul worth it to you. And if you need to change some things in order to make that happen, it would be better to have the favor of God in your life than to have another day, another week of sustenance that's going to run out. If you want to know how to turn the light on, if you want to know how to make the marriage work, honor God first. Would you guys stand and worship with us?